0: Thank you. We'll <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. We're uh, lucky enough to be joined here today by Coach Dan McCarney. Coach, how are you doing today?
2: Really good, Adam. It it can't be uh, much better than this. It's sunny and 80 degrees in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, uh, and I'm not saying that trying to make you feel bad. I've been in the Midwest for half a century, and I know what February is like. But uh, we love living here. Great being with you. And and, uh, anytime you can reminisce about the Hawks, it can always be a good day.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's, that's my goal some days to get down to Florida and get, get a place down there. So you're living my dream right now. So that's, that's fantastic. That's good for you. Nice. All right, coach. First, we wanted to talk, uh, start kind of from the beginning here, growing up in Iowa city, um, playing at the University of Iowa. What? type of what options did you have coming out of high school when you were getting recruited was Iowa right away like hey this is where I'm going I'm a Hawkeye I grew up in Iowa City or did you get heavily recruited by anybody
2: else Yeah, I did get other opportunities. I I, I think somebody must have snuck in some film that wasn't mine because there was other schools that offered. You know, the funny thing back then was we didn't sign the national letter of intent till May, Adam, till the month of May. Okay. Um, um, so I did get a chance to look at other schools. I did grow up a Hawkeye. I mean, to this day, when the Iowa fight song comes on, the damn hair in the back of my neck stands up. Um, uh, That's all I ever knew. Um, Loved the Hawks, grew up with them. But uh, when it came time to be recruited, Iowa was going through one of those many 22 years of losing and not much success. Johnny Majors and Jackie Sherrill uh, were at Iowa State. Jackie Sherrill was the one recruiting me. who was his defensive coordinator at the time. And I don't think it was because I was a real special player, but I think it was because I was in Iowa City. They worked really hard. And back then, Adam, visits were unlimited. There were no uh, one visit this day, five visits total, three visits. You can visit as many times you wanted. So anytime Johnny Majors and Jackie Show came to Eastern Iowa to recruit, they came to our home there on Morningside Drive, which is right down the street from City High. So um, it was really uh, a great opportunity um, to go there. I did sign a conference letter of intent, which we used to then a week before the national signing day, um, which all that did was say, that's the only school you can go to in that conference. And then I had a tough decision to make because I did visit um, Colorado. I visited Colorado State. I visited Wyoming. I visited Northern Illinois. I visited Northwestern, even though I, I don't think I had good enough grades to get in there. They gave me an opportunity to go look at it. Um, so I did have some opportunities. I sure wasn't anything special, but um, nobody was going to ever outwork me. That's uh, I, learned I grew up in a family that way. And um, so in the end, I'll tell you one of the real, <clears throat> for me, Adam, was a guy named Mike Seelig to play quarterback from Iowa City City High in Iowa City. Took me out to lunch right before I was going to make a final decision. And at that stage, I think I was still probably leaning towards Iowa State because they were having success. And Johnny was winning in Ames. Uh, not a lot of winning was going on in 100 years at Iowa State, but Johnny Majors had him rolling. And Mike Selig took me out to lunch, and I'll never forget it. He just said, Dan, I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing like playing in front of a home state, hometown fans. And Jackie's showing some other people, had thrown some percentages to me, saying that hometown guys just don't make it. 80 to 90% of those guys never, never make it. And then Mike Selig took me out to lunch and said, listen, you can make it. I made it, which he did. He a tremendous player from City High to Iowa, Um, and it really did hit home with me, and then I thought, you know what, Uh, maybe I want to be part of that small percentage that can prove that he can play at his hometown school. In the end, I ended up deciding to stay at Iowa. Unfortunately, even though great experiences, phenomenal memories, great relationships, Adam, uh, we never had a winning season or a bowl game in those days when I was playing, but I tried to, I gave everything I had. Um, I still stay in touch with many of my teammates. So I'll always be proud that I pulled on that Iowa uniform because it led to some many, many great things as life went on.
1: That's, no, that's, that's, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome insight. insight. Um, got a little bit of an echo there. Gotcha. You. Can you hear me? Okay.
2: I'm hearing you really good.
1: All right. Um, so transitioning into your coaching career, um, You know, you started out as a grad assistant at Iowa and then uh, moved on to the defensive line. Um, Tell us about, um, if there was one, the interview that you had with Coach Fry to get onto that staff. Because, you know, everybody knows Coach was, you know, very, you know, outgoing, eccentric guy and extremely interesting. Everybody that knew him, like yourself, was had really great relationships with the guy. Nothing but great things have been said about him. Tell us a little bit about that interview experience.
2: Yeah, before that, I got cut in the NFL twice with the Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons, both times. Kent Stevenson, who was Bob Cummings' offensive line coach, was the one who still lives in Iowa, ended up going on with the Seattle Seahawks and Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the one that said, you need to get your butt into coaching. You need to get into coaching after I got cut a couple times. So I was a graduate assistant a couple years. Then back then, they had a a, a position called part-time status Adam. Uh, They don't do it now. But back then, the great thing about that was beyond graduate assistantship where you can still go coach when you're a part time coach, you could go on the road and recruit. So that was the real key for me to get some experience. Ken Stevenson put me in his hip pocket and said, you need to get on the road. You'll go with me. Let's spend some time on the road in the Midwest. Then I went with Bernie Wyatt back on the East Coast. So I got some real experience about being around some tremendous coaches and teachers and recruiters in Ken Stevenson and Bernie Wyatt. Things didn't work out, obviously, with Bob Cummings' staff. There were some flashes of success, but wasn't sustained. And then Coach Fry came in, and um, he interviewed every coach on the previous staff, full-time or part-time or GAs, whatever your title was. I thought Adam was going to be the fastest interview in the history of interviews because he didn't know me. I think I was 23 or 24 at the time. Very little experience. Didn't really have the resume. But about 20 minutes into the interview, we were sitting in Bump Elliott's office. Hayden was using Bump's office to interview coaches, and he said, well, what do you think about being my tight end coach for $18,000? I came shooting up out of that couch. I was ecstatic. I was the most shocked guy in the world. that I was going to give an opportunity to join this new staff, a new head coach, and continue with my alma mater in a place that I love so much at the University of Iowa. Um, the tight end coach then left real soon. Um, the um um, defensive line coach went back to Texas, and so he gave me. Uh, coach Fry brought me in after that first spring and said, Mac, I really like the job you did with those tight ends. Jimmy Swift was my tight end. um He probably helped me get that promotion because Swift he played real well, made me look like a good." <laughs> and then I got the opportunity to take over that defensive line, and that's for the next eleven years. That's what I had. I had the defensive line, and so the young guy named Kirk Ferentz came in a couple years later. And both of us really never really had the experience, Adam, or the, or the resumes um, to get those opportunities to be Big Ten offensive and defensive line coaches. But Coach Rice saw things in many of us that a lot of people never saw. But he had that amazing knack with his eyes and his mind and his vision and his insight to say, I think this guy may have it, even though he may not have the experience.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the greatest things that Coach Fry had from the beginning. He could spot a great coach, and he always said, and I'm sure you've heard this, that he didn't want to coach on his staff unless that coach had head coaching aspirations because he wanted them to have the drive to want to be the best and continue to excel through their career. Um, At what point in your coaching career at Iowa did you realize that you were on a very special staff full of extremely talented coaches? Because I feel like every time Iowa plays, they talk about the Hayden Fry, Coaching tree and all the great successful head coaches that came from there. What at what point were you look? Did you ever look around and say, "We got we got something pretty special here, a pretty a pretty great staff"?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know that there was any one special time, one one moment, or one day, or one game, Adam. I think it was just over the test of time uh, and over the duration of time. We just. All of us never wanted to make – we always wanted to make Coach Fry proud. We always wanted him to be proud of us. We always wanted him to feel good about the job that we were doing because he was always frank. He was very honest. One of the many things I admired about him because – He always told us, if you don't want to do the job, you can't get it done as a coach. If you can't get it done as a recruiter, if you can't get your guys involved in the community, if I got issues with your players off the field, I'll fire your ass. And there's a long line of guys that want to come take your job here at the University of Iowa. So he always let us know. There was never any doubt. Who the head coach was there was never any doubt who was in charge and obviously we all got these opportunities because of Hayden Fry, because of the bond the chemistry the success the sustained success the dramatic success after 22 years of losing um, but he saw things in all of us but the expectations were always really high but the great thing that he did Adam He set out this expectations. He set the goals. He knew we each of us knew what we had to do and what was expected of us. And then he inspired us to live up to those expectations. And then he let us go within our own personalities and go get it done. And I don't give a damn within the rules how you get it done. You just get it done because here's my expectations. And I think that was the magic that was such a part of Hayden Fry.
1: No, that's awesome. Um, Tell me a little bit about just your one on one personal relationship that you had with Coach Fry um, because, you know, it's kind of noted that you and him were really close throughout the years. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your guys' relationship.
2: Yeah, you know, um, he was was a head coach. He was a boss. um, He was a second father. He was a friend. He was a mentor. He was a motivator. Um, he was a phenomenal example, all those things, Adam. Um, amazing for someone as young as me, as young as I was, to get to be around this future Hall of Fame leader and mentor and coach. But we just hit it off, and here was an Iowa City guy and a deep South Texas guy, never met. He didn't know me, I didn't know him. We really obviously started from scratch. He brought a, a, a real good staff with him, fortunately for me and Bernie Wyatt the staff that came from North Texas weren't as many coaches as you could hire in the Big Ten back then. And that allowed him to grab a couple more guys, whether he was going to go outside of the Iowa staff or from within the Iowa staff. But we just hit it off. And I to, to the day that I said goodbye to him the last time, we always stayed in touch. I always called him. I always tried to show, you know, you've seen the same things I have, Adam. A lot of times in life you see people that really forget their roots. They forget and they don't really – continue to give credit to the people that gave them those opportunities for them to flourish and be successful. Uh, I've seen it. You have. We all have in all walks of life. But I never would do that to Coach Fry. I would have never had a sniff in college coaching. And I don't know what I would have done uh, had it not been for him. So that mutual respect, that mutual admiration, um, I just always wanted to put a smile on his face. I always wanted him to think I was the best damn assistant coach that he could hire, even though I wasn't. I was wanting him to think that I was the best damn recruiter he could hire, even though I wasn't. I was wanting him to think that and feel that way, so that um, our working relationship and our our, our our relationship over time would really be cemented and solidified as it was. Um, moving on to
1: 1995, um, you take the head coaching job at Iowa State with your close ties to the University of Iowa and Coach Fry. Was there any sort of hesitation about getting into um, the interview process and taking that job? Or was that something in your mind, you're like, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to go for it head first. And did you talk to Coach Fry about it at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, good question, Adam. um, There was hesitation. I remember when Barry Alvarez, uh, we'd gone from 1-10 to 10-1, one of the great turnarounds in the history of Big Ten football. Um, we, we backed that up with another real good, uh, a bowl game the next year and we were having a lot of success. Um, but he came in and, and knocked on my door and came in and said, Hey Mac, I got a call from Gene Smith. And I go, about what? I knew Gene Smith with AD at Iowa State, but I didn't know him at all. And I said, about what? It just didn't hit. And he said, well, he wants to talk to you about possibility interviewing for the head job at Iowa State. So it hit me right away. Um, You know, I was a part of many of the dominating wins of Iowa over Iowa State. Um, That was part of those 15 years of losing. Then we played Iowa State twice when I was at Wisconsin, Adam. Um, I still have a game ball from our first or second year, seven to six. There was a lot of offense in that game. We won seven to six and uh, held him to two field goals. Barry gave me a, a game ball. Obviously we weren't a very good football team. Then we were still able to start winning a few games, not many, but a few. And then we end up winning and showing success and winning the Rose bowl first time in a hundred years. So with that, with the success of a program, there's going to be some opportunities for assistant coaches. So, um, Barry just said, you need to put yourself in a position to say yes or no. It's a Division I school. Obviously, they've been bad for a long time. You're an Iowa native. Um, this is a tremendous athletic director at Iowa State. Put yourself in a position to say yes or no. And if you don't feel good about it, and you don't feel good that you can win after you get down there and meet the people, then come back with me because we're going to keep winning big here at Wisconsin. If you feel right about it, and 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 uh, uh, you feel like the people are in place to help you be successful, then go with it with everything you got. Because right now, and I remember him saying this, Adam. So there's only 126 Division One head coaches in America, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of coaches who would like to be given the phone call that you just got to go interview for a Division One head job. So that was the conversation we had. Uh, long process. Um, flew in. Didn't know I was number one or number fifty. You never know. Everybody's got the poker face. Um, I really didn't know. I'd never been a head coach. But when I went into Dr. Jiske's office and there was 20-some people there uh, that were on the uh, selection committee along with Gene Smith, I just said this. I have tremendous respect for Iowa State um i've coached and recruited against them for a long time i almost came to school here but these are the things that i've witnessed and i've i've experienced going against them coaching and recruiting here's the issues that i've seen now you may want to hear this you may not i'm going to tell it like it is and i may walk out of here i may be their number one candidate or i may you maybe tell me don't let the door hit you on the rear end out of here And those were my words but i'm going to tell it like it is because i know a lot about this place from the outside in Long story short, I ended up getting the opportunity. Um, it was a tough job. It was a tough, you know, obviously it was in bad shape. When you're winless, that's just the record. What you don't know is how bad everything was behind the scenes, except for phenomenal fans, great university academically. But there'd been absolutely no commitment made to football. So it took some time, but finally we got the ship riding.
1: Well, I got to tell you, the Iowa State fan base, whether it's football, basketball, anything, it doesn't matter what the record is. They are loyal group and they they stick by their team no matter what and so that's one of the you know things you probably looked at as a positive one of the things that wasn't so positive for us was from i was the 98 to 2002 you guys ran off a pretty nice little win streak against the hawkeyes and um you know those were during some years where Iowa was having a lot of success what were some of your keys to success to turning that tide in that rivalry that iowa had dominated for so long
2: yeah, I mean, 1998 was the first year, Adam, um, we went over as a 29 and a half point underdog in Iowa City, um, getting a coach against my mentor, my friend, um, Hall of Fame coach, and Hayden Fry. Um, But I, re- I remember that week, uh, I just think there were some guys, you know, we got and beat, I think, 60 something to 20 the year before, Tim Dwight's senior year just got humiliated in Ames. But I just had a different feeling that week. And we had lost to TCU the week before, a good football team, a bowl team and TCU at home. But there was just a different feeling about that team. And I didn't know if we were going to win. I didn't know if we were good enough to go win. I just knew we were going to go play good. That, as a head coach, I knew. If we'll just carry over our preparation and the commitment that they've made this week in trying to get ready to win a football game to the field, it's going to be a hell of a game. Now, whether we can go win or not, I didn't know all that. But I remember Kevin Wilson, um, a a tremendous special teams player from the state of Ohio, blocked a punt. We felt like we could block a punt. We felt like there was issues with their protection. We needed to go get one. And as you know, Adam, real well, that's one of the biggest plays in the game of football. You can block a punt. We did that early. Set the tempo. Kids believed. We went on to win 27 to 9. We went on to win five in a row, six of the next nine. And that really is what, to me, turned this into a really good rivalry because when – You're a part of rivalries, and I was on the other side. As I said many times, you're calling it a rivalry, but you're on the other end and you're getting your tail kicked 15 years in a row. There's no damn rivalry. You're getting your butt kicked every year. The fans know it. The players know it. The coaches know it. The media know it. Same team's going to keep kicking their ass each year. It's not really a rivalry. But when we finally drew the line, you know, I remember telling those kids, you know, before that 98 game, I just said, listen – There comes a time in every man's life where you just have to plant your feet. you got to take a stand. you got to draw a line in the sand. And you go after and try and kick somebody's ass. And if we're good enough to win, great. If we're not, let's just not go down. Let's not not go out there running around with a white flag. Let's go out there fighting and scratching and clawing. Because I think I I see that about this football team. Those kids bought in. Darren Davis rushed for over 200 yards. And then we really got it going with some great wins. I think it really set the – the, it set the future that Iowa State and Iowa can have one of the great college rivalries in all of college football, which it wasn't for a long, long time. 1977, I was there as a part-time coach. We won the first one 12 to 10 in Iowa City. Unbelievable game, ABC. But now that the rivalry's there, it's a lot of fun. Enjoyed being a part of it. I really do miss coaching in that game, Adam. 25 years in a row on both sides. Are you kidding me? How lucky was I to be a small part of those 25 years?
1: Oh, that's definitely really cool to to be able to have done that. When you were out on the recruiting trail as the Iowa State head coach, especially during that five-year win streak that you guys had, did you notice a little bit of a turn in the tide with recruiting when you're sitting down talking to recruits? Did you feel like you guys were going after a lot of the same players in the state of Iowa as the Hawkeyes were? And did you notice that you're getting a little bit more respect from these recruits than you previously had?
2: Yeah. No doubt, and and it started before we won that first game because I remember going into my first team meeting at Iowa State, and I said, "Okay, cut the BS. I'm not here going to toss a bunch of BS on this and uh, on the wall and hope it sticks. I know I know a lot about you guys more than you know about me." How many of you guys stand up if you were offered a scholarship from the University of Iowa and you said no to Iowa to come to Iowa State? I'm not talking about letters and phone calls and all that BS. I'm talking about were you recruited with a scholarship and offered a scholarship? And if you were and you said no to them to come to Iowa State, stand up. You know how many kids stood up? Zero, not one. And that was the problem because what I experienced coaching coaching, uh, recruiting against Iowa State those years at Iowa if Iowa was recruiting and they didn't really feel they could beat us, I don't care what somebody says. I experienced it, and you know when somebody really believes they got a shot to beat you on a recruit. I never felt threatened because the coaches never felt like they could beat us. But we had to chip away at that. My first recruiting class, Bill Mar saw from Hudson, Iowa, was the first one to say no to Coach Fry to come to Iowa State. Then through the years, we had a number of them that had both opportunities and both choices, both great schools, both great places, both great opportunities. But they did say, I want to come to Iowa State. And to turn it around on the field, Adam, we had to start turning around in the living rooms and get your share of guys. And I just always thought, I can't believe that a young man in the state of Iowa um, that there isn't some young men and families that believe that the leadership and the future and the program and the facilities and the conference and the opportunities are the future I can't be an Ames, Iowa, and at Iowa State University, too. Fortunately, we got that turned around, and, and before we did it on the field, we had to start doing the living rooms, and that's really what turned that rivalry around. And then, um, now you see it. It was so cool, Adam. <laughs> so cool. Game day at and, uh, and Iowa State-Iowa game. Finally, I sat here in my home in Sarasota, Florida, and I cheered for both schools. I wanted both of them to win, and I'm just sitting there going, about damn time, the country realizes one of the great robberies in college football is Iowa State and Iowa. Well, I think that Why was a big uh...
1: – swing and a miss for a college game day an ESPN because they always have the guest picker that usually has a big tie to the game. You would have been perfect for that. <laughs> they, they never reached out.
2: Well, they came here and they interviewed, and, and uh, I was with Gene and but uh, we were talking more about the trophy itself than picking a game. Honestly, I, I, I was fine without being put on the spot to pick a team because honestly, as my wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, my kids are scattered all around the country, San Diego, Tampa, uh, Austin, Texas. We cheer for both those schools. And even though my kids weren't quite around yet all those years I was in Iowa, they know my love for both those schools, and we cheer for both of them. That's, that's a true statement.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's uh something I had forgotten about when that game college game day was in town, they did do that piece on you with the trophy. And so you were a part of that. So that, that is right. I had forgotten about that. So thanks for reminding me. Um back in um moving forward to two thousand six, um, you made the decision to leave Iowa State University. You had the long one of the longest, if not the longest, track record of success that that school had had in a really long time. Um, you guys had had a little bit of a you know downslide there at the end, but what what went into that decision to to leave Iowa State, uh, especially since with all the success that you had had there.
2: Well, long story short, um, you know, sometimes in life, some things that you hear and see on the outside may not be completely um, 100% really what, what the case is. Um, I, I respect Jamie Pollard. That was a decision he made. He wanted new coaches on the staff. He wanted some new leadership um, and wanted some changes made. Um, i had been there for 12 years, gave everything, my heart and soul, everything I had to Iowa State. So in the end, it was kind of a mutual decision. Um, but uh, I'll have nothing but great memories. Um, my kids grew up Iowa State as 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 they were young kids in elementary and middle school and starting into high school. Uh, those years were at Iowa State some of the most memorable ones, some of the most uh, impactful years on in my life. And to this day, I I, uh, I try and go back to Iowa City and Ames every year. Love both those schools um but in 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 the future of the program um it was really their decision to start with some new leadership and we didn't have a, the year before we were just in the houston bowl played tcu uh lost that close game i think by three or four points so it wasn't like it was a, a number of years of sustained losing we had one setback it was a it was a tough year uh young team but uh, always will have great memories of that place and love it i mean an Iowa native got to coach at, you know, I spent 19 years at the University of Iowa, Adam, as a player and coach. And then 12 years at Iowa State University. Um, how blessed and how lucky was I?
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, that was one thing, though, we were all talking, I think, really surprised uh, when you weren't returning as head coach, especially with all the success that you'd had there, with the sustained success uh, that you'd brought that Iowa State had never had. But, you know, I, I'm going to have to be 100% honest with you, Coach, a lot of Hawkeye fans were a little happy that you were moving along because we had a hell of a time with you H- here at Iowa State. I'm telling you, it was it, it was tough.
2: Well, sorry, I'll tell you, Adam, it, it's I know it's hard for people to believe this sometimes. But, um, you know, when 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 you build all those relationships, as I did in Iowa City and so fortunate and so blessed, um, I always wanted it, whether they liked me, respected me, enjoyed it, didn't want me to win, did want me to win. I always wanted those people to be proud of. Here's a kid that was in Iowa City, played at Iowa, coached with Hayden Fry, gave everything that he had. Um, I, always, I learned years ago that energy and, and, and being positive – and, and showing courage and those things is kind of contagious. I always tried to exude that around my players and coaches and the people around me. And honestly, oh, here it is. I'm going back for my 50th high school reunion back to Iowa city for city high 50th reunion this summer. I was one of those people I grew up with in Iowa city to be proud of me, not whether they cheered for me or against me, uh, whatever game it might've been. I, I just wanted them to say, you know what? He was my teammate or he was my classmate or he was my friend and I'm proud of him that I got to be, uh, he was part of my life. And, and those are things that can really motivate you in, in, in the profession that I was in, in coaching. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah
2: I, uh, I really need to tell I you, mean, um,
1: my dad was a baseball coach, baseball coach at the for about 25 years. And he was always a huge Hawkeye fan his whole life. And I noticed, As the years went on, the longer you were at Iowa State, you started seeing some more Iowa State t shirts on him, a little Iowa State (laughs) hat here and there. And I'm like, Dad, what what the heck are you doing? Like, are you confused? And he was like, and he's very impulsive. He's like, Adam, sit on for a minute. And I said, okay. And he goes, I need to tell you a little bit about Iowa State and Coach McCarney. He goes, as a high school football coach, that's a place I respect because they open the program doors up to high school coaches like me. I feel like that I can go in there. I can call them. I can talk to them. And I don't feel that way with the University of Iowa. I feel like Coach McCarney makes you feel like you're part of the program too. And I was like, geez, that's really interesting. I I'd never I never knew that as a fan. So he had some really you know, some great insight on your tenure as head coach there.
2: Appreciate it. And uh, your dad's a really well respected guy. Obviously, um, we, when I got there, I won't bore you with the details. But anyway, one of the first I asked uh, Gene Smith when I got there, OK, I'm here. We signed the contract. Let's roll. Um, who's the president of Letterman's Club? Don't have one. Who runs the Hall of Fame uh, at Iowa State? We don't have one. Um, who ran the clinics for Iowa State? They didn't have any in the last couple of years. Who ran the camps? High school kids. Well, they didn't really do those the last couple of years. So, those are things I'm just talking about. Um, unless you were there and my staff that, were, that I hired right away to bring in and come around, you don't really understand and realize it. And I've talked to Matt Campbell a lot. We stay in touch a lot as I do with Kurt Ferenc, but Unless you've been at Iowa State and, and been in those shoes as a head coach, you don't really realize some of the challenges and some of the adversity and some of the things that you fight, the fights that you, the, that you fight through and the battles that you battle through unless you've been there. And fortunately, for the first time in my lifetime now, Adam, um, with this new facility that's going up in Iowa State, in my lifetime it'll be the first time Iowa State's had as good of facilities as University of Iowa because University of Iowa has always, especially once Hayden got there and Bump Elliott and two of them worked together. You do it first class or you don't do it. If you're going to do something at Iowa, you do it first class or don't do it. And that was not the culture and that was not the mentality at Iowa State from a football standpoint. Finally, it's gone through the years, it's transitioned to that and it just makes, I think, for great futures of both those schools.
1: I wanted to um, ask you too, something I was really in- intrigued with. Um, I'm a marketing guy. And when you got to Iowa State, it seemed like right around that time, there was a rebranding of the athletic department, new logo, adding a little bit of like a navy blue into there. Tell us a little bit about what the idea was behind that uh, recreating the image of Iowa State Athletics.
2: Yeah, and and, and uh, honestly, it didn't have the lasting impact that Coach Fry's did. Obviously, here it is 2021. We got the same helmet, and the same tiger hawk and the same you – know, it's one of the things I love about Iowa. They don't change it up and come out with the 72 different uniforms every three, you know, every, every all the time like Oregon does, you see. And yeah. I know recruits like to hear that. But just the tradition that's been sustained on the field and off and with the uniforms and the way that you do it at Iowa, the Hayden Fry started when we all got together in 1979 but we tried to we didn't want anything to do with the past okay let's let's start fresh let's start new and one of the first things you need to do is is what's the look of your program what do you who do you want to be what do you want to be just get a clean start let's get a new start gene smith got people involved that were really good at those things he and I worked together on it, and we came up with a logo that we came through, and that was what we used for the 12 years that I was there. There's been some uh, some adjustments made since then. But um, my guys that were there that go back now, and so many of them were so successful on the field, they're successful in life, they'll always wear those Iowa State uh, clothes real proudly and, and be proud of the, the memories that we made, the transition that we made. And that included, as you mentioned, a new logo and new uniforms, trying to get a new look and stop talking about the past and what's happened and, and how bad it's been and how long it's been since we do something. Let's just talk about today and tomorrow and trying to get better, and that's really how we approach everything.
1: And I, I remember when that logo first hit and the new uniforms came out, it was a hot thing. I mean, you know, that, that uh, sigh with the tornado around it and the ISU, that was, that was a hot logo, and it got a lot of attention.
2: You did and then like always win some game, win some damn games. It's amazing how popular that becomes when you can win some games. Well Troy Davis helped me those first couple of years because even though we didn't get over the hump with winning seasons or bowl games yet, net college football history, 2,000 yards, two years in a row, never been done before, never been done since ESPN's coming, a lot of people were coming. It was a, it was bringing Iowa State football with some kind of positive coverage which it had lacked for decades. Adam, and that really helped us get into the national picture before we started getting to winning seasons in bowl games and winning games you're not supposed to win and challenging for championships and those kind of things. But I I loved it. There was a great look, and uh, Gene was the one that headed that. Gene Smith headed that whole thing up, but together we kind of put that together, and I thought it was a great look back then. And then the thing, like always, it was funny because when I started going around as a head coach at Iowa State, uh, I'd been there all those years with Coach Fry and done, he'd done such a marvelous job and incredible staff of coaches that I got to walk with and coach beside and recruit with. And But when we went out in the high schools, I'm telling you, I, I, it was hard to find an Iowa State t-shirt or a hat or a sweatshirt uh, or shorts anywhere the high schools we went to. What what, what what was it? All Iowa. Every now and then, Western Iowa would be some Nebraska stuff. Uh, every once in a while, maybe something from Wisconsin, but it was Iowa, And then when we started winning and taking care of business and challenging Iowa and starting to win some games, then you start seeing more and more, as as it should be, Iowa State stuff along with all the Iowa stuff that was all over the state of Iowa.
1: I got to tell you going back to central Iowa being a Des Moines guy I see a lot more Iowa State stuff than I would like to like to see it's pretty heavily represented I feel like in central Iowa it's majority Iowa State fans anymore and then the east and west side of the states are hardcore Hawkeye country so it's uh, it's been interesting in the last 20 to 25 years I really feel like that landscape has changed either there's gotten to be a lot more Iowa State fans or the one they've always been there and they just finally decided to come out, you know, really come out of the woodwork and start, like you said, wearing the apparel and representing, because no matter how bad Iowa State ever was, the fans always there, always show up.
2: Yeah. And 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 not not to the level that they are now, obviously. And and we started getting crowds that had never been there, hadn't been there in decades. Uh it's it's a process, obviously. But here's what I found out since I've been out of coaching. And, and I was gone. My last year in the state of Iowa was 2006, as we mentioned, Adam. And then I was in um, Texas and Florida for a decade coaching, South Florida, Florida, North Texas. And now five years have been living down here in Sarasota, Florida. I still get around the country a lot. I still get, I'm blessed to get opportunities to go speak and be around other teams and um, other other, you know, former players that are doing really well in their walk of life, which I really love to see the great success are having. But A lot of people just say, "What is it about Iowa? What is it about the state of Iowa? What's so big? What's the big deal about Iowa?" They don't really know. If you haven't lived there, like you and I have, if you haven't worked there, if you haven't spent time there, you just don't really get it. But I have, and I spent half a hundred years in the state of Iowa. And these things are never a hundred percent, but these things are pretty damn consistent. When you talk about somebody from the state of Iowa, loyalty, hard work, character. Uh, commitment, dedication. You know, loyalty is a dying trait that I've found in my lifetime, in recent years, especially, Adam. It's a dying trait in businesses, in families, in teams. Um, it never was. It just, to me, in the state of Iowa, that was never – it was always there, and we always tried to build it. We always tried to sustain it. It was loyalty that was unconventional. Um, it, was, it was one of those great things. Whatever years that I spent there, I always – was so proud to tell people I'm from the state of Iowa I'm living in Florida. I tell people I'm from the state of Iowa. And I don't mumble about it. I, I I'm proud that that was my roots. That was my hometown. My dad was chief of police in Iowa city. My mom worked at the dental school for 30 years. There's a scholarship named after her in her honor. I'll always be all four. My four kids in our family were all Hawkeyes, all Iowa grads. Um, and so Iowa always, somebody says anything negative about our Iowa, Iowa state or the state of Iowa, I blow up pretty fast on them. I'm, I'm not real politi- politically correct if somebody says something bad about somebody from the state of Iowa.
1: Hey, we like that. We're hey, loyal people. people. For the most part, like you said, though, that's a dying trait. But I, I think especially in Iowans, that, that's something that still holds true. And I think that's what makes a lot of people so proud to be from the state of Iowa. Is you get that instilled in you at, a, at an early age. And it's, it's just part of the culture. In Iowa, regardless if you're a Cyclone or a Hawkeye, you're, just, you're, you're loyal to your team, loyal to your family and loyal to the people that are important to you. So um, that's a, that's an important deal. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, um, before I let you go in all years of coaching, whether it be North Texas, you know, um, Iowa State, Iowa, your time in Florida. There's got to be a couple guys that you're like, that's probably got to be the best player I've ever coached. Um, It might be hard just to name one, but if you cut off the top of your head, what are some of the top two or three guys that you're like, when you watched them play in practice in the weight room, how they handled themselves uh, off the field that you were like, that is one of the most impressive individuals I've ever come across.
2: Well, I'll just quickly hit it because I was at six schools in 45 years in Division One football. Um, it's, it's impossible to pick out one or two at any of them. But all those years at Iowa, um, that's to this day that, that the national championship defense that I was on with Urban in, in 2009 at the University of Florida and the 1981 defense at the University of Iowa, the two best defenses I was ever a part of. Uh, incredible phenomenal uh, defenses and that year with Mark Bortz and Pat Dean and Andre Tippett and that whole crew on defense unbelievable offense was solid and let's not get carried away the offense was solid that year defense was phenomenal and we had a guy that I recruited out of Waterloo East High School that I knew would could have as much to do with turning the Iowa program around as anyone that was a guy named Reggie Roby, and when you can flip the field and have that guy every time he punts Put the ball almost out of the stadium on the other end. Unbelievable. So, those guys that I, when I go back to those days, they were what a phenomenal bunch that was. Unbelievable. Then I went to Wisconsin the years that we were up there. Um, we went from one um, and 10 to 10 and 1. And the guy that, I, that I'll mention, um, was not the best football player on the team, but he rallied. He pulled them together. Daryl Bevel was our quarterback. He was probably the least athletic quarterback that I was ever around, but he made the scramble, got to the end zone in the Rose Bowl. He's now the new offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bev at Wisconsin, um, along with a, a nose guard named Lamarck Shackelford that I had uh, playing for my defense. To this day, the Rose Bowl record is still six turnovers, six takeaways, and we got six of them that day when we beat UCLA. Shaq was the leader of that posse in that defensive line. A little bit undersized for NFL, Adam, but wow, was he something on game day. Disruptive, tackles for loss. Then I got a chance to go to Iowa State and a lot of really good players. The, the, the ones that, that you just think of right away. Troy Davis mentioned earlier, Heisman finalist twice. Iowa State, not Iowa State University. Heisman finalist twice, yes. 2,000 yards twice. Sage Rosenfels with that 2000 team, seniors that finally bought in and said enough's enough. We've been getting embarrassed and humiliated, had our tails kicked, enough is enough. Went all the way to the big city of in Iowa to recruit Sage Rosenfels. Let us, and then here he goes, he hands it off to Seneca Wallace to let lead us to some great things. Those were some incredible times. Went to um, South Florida, um, and uh, we went to number two in the country, won nine games that year. Had a guy named George Selby that was unanimous All-American for me. Led the nation in sacks, tackles for loss. He had um, 30 uh, 30 and a half tackles for loss. He had 16 sacks, unanimous All-American. Honestly, that's probably one of the reasons Urban Meyer called me, because the country was talking about South Florida and the defense, and George Selby, I just happened to be coaching the guy. I just stayed the hell out of his way and let him go do his thing. I got credit for a lot of that. So then I got to go to Florida. Wow, um, the list is so long. Joe Hayden, Brandon Spikes, Major Wright, Tim Tebow. It goes on and on and on. Carlos Dunlap still been in the Pro Bowl, played defensive end for me. Now was with the, the Cincinnati Bengals, now Seattle Seahawks. But the leader that Tebow was, and what you see is what you get and behind the scenes, nobody would working, him. And he never swore one time, but he would be talking smack every day at practice and challenging the defense and challenging the secondary, challenging the coaches, just trying to bring out the best in everyone. And that was Tebbs every day for the years that I was with him. And in the first uh, 32 games I played there, we were 30 and two, 30 and two, one of the great runs in the history of college football. But the heartbeat, that led that team was Tim Tebow. And then at North Texas, um, we had some really, really good kids and some good players. They'd been beat down. They were in the bottom 10. In 2013, the team was voted the best team in school history by fans, the media, former players, alumni. Um, And it was a a sensational run that we had. And I had a kid named Zach Ward that played linebacker for me, a, a captain, made it as a free agent with the Baltimore Ravens, Adam, made it as a free agent, leading tackler with the Baltimore Ravens, A few votes away from the Pro Bowl, and then they found a neck issue with him and had to give up football after that. It was an issue he probably had since birth. Thank God they found it. Um, But he was a sensational player. Also got hired on the Jacksonville Jaguars staff now with Urban Meyer. He'll go on, mark it down. Zach Orr will be a head coach either in college or the NFL someday, but was he something else as a football player? So long answer to a short question, but those were some of the – unbelievable players on and off the field that I have the joy to be around and, and, and uh, be part of my journey in life.
1: No, that's a fantastic yeah. answer. and I um, had an oh, yeah. interesting interaction with one of those guys that you named on the list. Um, Seneca, or, uh, actually down at the Rose Bowl when I was playing, we're down in Pasadena and uh, We're at one of, one of the sports bars down in Pasadena and there's a ton of Hawkeye fans there and a little bit of a melting pot to some other, uh, college football fans too. And I hear somebody yell while we're sitting there, go cyclones really loud. And I turn around and I go, this is Hawkeye country this week. They even have a football team. And then all of a sudden I hear a guy go, they did when I was there. And I turned around. And sitting right behind me was Seneca Wallace, and I'm
2: like, <laughs> "My guy Seneca, there you go." I Seneca. go, um, "I'm
1: gonna pull my foot out of my mouth right now." Um, yeah. What's going on, man? Nice to meet you. And I, yeah. I believe it was his brother-in-law was playing for Iowa right then. Um yeah. and so uh, he yeah. he was super cool and. Uh, we had, a, we had a drink together and you know, it was, yeah, he, he let it go. He, he didn't hold it against me. So no, I, uh, no. I appreciated that. He was a really good cool guy. guy.
2: My guy, Sandy, how about this? He's coming out of a junior college in California, Adam. And the, the other, all the other offers he's getting is a wide receiver. And I'm not real smart. I'm not real. There've been a whole bunch of guys wearing whistles a lot smarter than me, but I'm watching tape on him. I'm telling my guys, you gotta be Is somebody on quaaludes here. This is a quarterback. Look at the throws he's making. Look at his feet. This is, I don't know. I don't want him as a receiver. I want him as a quarterback because we're going to lose Sage and we need a guy that can come in and impact us right now and upgrade the quarterback position. Mike Nelson, God bless him, has passed away. Did a great job of recruiting him, got us out there. I went out to see the whole family, go see Seneca. And it's like, I don't want you as a wide receiver, Seneca. I'm not even thinking what, and this isn't telling you what you want to hear now and then switching when you come to Ames. You're the guy. I think watching you on tape that you can lead us and continue the baton that's been passed to you from Sage and these, this last team to help us go be real successful the next couple of years, which is what he had. He had two more years. And he came in what an impact he had. Wow. Sanchez was one of those guys you just enjoyed being around, whether you were having a cocktail with him, as you did, or watching him on the field or watching him practice. He's gone back and he's built restaurants and hotels in Ames, Iowa, uh, along with coaching with the Dallas Cowboys right now. Just one of those real first class high character. Iowa fans would have loved him. Iowa State fans did love him. Uh, People, if you'd have had him on your team, you'd have been up out of your seat so fast cheering for Seneca Wallace because he was just one of the most dynamic guys that I've ever been around.
1: He was one heck of a football player, that's for sure. Uh, We were not sad to see him move along either when he uh, went on and had a really lengthy NFL career and played a lot of years for Seattle. And So he he had a very successful NFL career. NFL career uh just wanted to kind of finish up coach because I know you know you got to get out you're out in Florida you got to go out and enjoy that weather and you know get those rays you got a nice tan going there which I'm very jealous of I don't think I can even tan if I tried but um what tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to now uh you know where you're living and, and what's going on with you and your family
2: Yeah, I'm in Sarasota, Florida. We've had a home down here for 20 years, Adam. And as you know, if if, uh, you live in the Midwest, you got to have a getaway. Uh, Now, whether it's just vacation or it's a condo or it's a home or timeshare, whatever it is, we've had a home over here for 20 years. So this was the idea that I was eventually going to retire. Now, little did I know that I was going to be working in Tampa, which is just an hour North of Sarasota. Little did I know I was going to be working in Gainesville for a few years, which is uh, about two and a half hours North of here. Uh, but this is um, when I got uh, finished in Iowa, Brant Yoakum, Rick Penny and I that all played together in Iowa, we had a real good friend uh, named Sparky Girth. Fred Gerth, who was a huge Hawkeye fan and he and Kay Girth, his wife, uh, both since passed, but, Sparky came up to all of us and said, what are you guys going to be doing? Well, Yokes had signed in the Canadian League. Rick Penny signed with Philadelphia. I'd signed with Atlanta Falcons as free agents. Well, we're just going to be working out in Iowa City and getting ready for mini camps in, the, in about three or four months. Well, he said, I live in Nine Iron from Lido Beach in Sarasota, Florida. Once you come down and live with me, you can work out at the YMCA, help me with some house chores and some projects. Well, that took about 15 seconds to say yes to that one. So we came down here in Sarasota back in 76, lived here for a few months, and fell in love with it. And, um, and then bought homes uh, here in our first home 20 years ago, the home we have now we bought new 15 years ago, but love it. Enjoy it. Um, I still get around now before the pandemic hit, I was fortunate to get around to a lot of places and, um, to go visit, go to Iowa, go to Iowa State, uh, went to Arkansas when Brett Bielema was there, brought me in. Chris Ash out of Rutgers, Lance Lapole, the head coach of Buffalo, doing a great job, brought me in up there, was a, a, a graduate assistant in Wisconsin when we were winning big. Uh, been back to Florida, been back to South Florida, been back to North Texas, just to get around. And then T.J. Otzenberger, the head coach at UNLV Men's Basketball, was at South Dakota State. He brought me in, even though I don't know whether there's sand or air in that basketball, to come talk to his teams in South Dakota State and brought me out to UNLV. So I get around. I get to go to a lot of these guys' places and former players. I love that you stay connected. The message is, is, um, is pretty simple when you sit down and you share. There are just so many things, Adam, that from athletics and the turnaround in athletics that you can apply to life, you can apply to so many walks in life. And that's why I get the opportunity to go talk to businesses and companies in different places around the company and go do that, um, because it's not something I heard about. It's not something I read about. It's something I got to experience, because as we both know, University of Iowa, University of Wisconsin, Iowa State University, North Texas, uh, those four places of the six stops I made, not South Florida and Florida, who had been winning. Those four places were bottomed out. And when you're building and build that foundation for success for the future, what goes on behind the scenes behind besides just hard work? And those are things I get to go share with people. I love doing that. And then I've got two granddaughters out in San Diego, the first grandkids. Uh, Lucy was just turned two, and Coco June named after my mom. June um, just turned six months. So back and forth to San Diego, sons in Austin, uh, daughter up in Tampa. And then just staying in touch with a lot of former coaches. Here's a guy, Terry Allen. I'll shut up. Terry Allen was on my staff. We both grew up in Iowa City. He played for Northern Iowa. He's in the Hall of Fame in Northern Iowa. His son, Chase, came to my camp in North Texas. T.A. Terry asked me, Mac. I don't know if he's a basketball or football player. After his junior year, I said, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. He's a Division One football player, getting bigger and getting stronger. He's been all big 12 three years in a row at Iowa State. His other son is now up in Northern Iowa. T.A. got the call the other day that the tight end coach just left to go to uh, Green Bay Packers. So guess who's coaching the tight ends at Northern Iowa as of three days ago? Terry Allen. Um, so you get to stay in touch with all these former coaches, happy for them, thrill for them, and then stay in touch with the guys that really impacted your life too. I did with Coach Fry right up until the time he passed. Bill Brace, you know, all of these guys that we were all together, um, stay in touch with Donnie Patterson and Carl Jackson and Kirk Ferentz and that tree that people talk about. Barry Alvarez, we love the connection. We'll always be proud of what we accomplished and always be thankful that we got that opportunity um, that Aiden Fry gave us back in 1979.
1: I'm going to have to be honest with you. My uh, my plan was to end with that question and then spark one more. I needed to ask you before I let you go uh, with Brett Bielema taking the Illinois job, which I think is a super intriguing hire. Um, I think it's a great fit. Um, what, yeah, that's a similar type of situation almost as you when you took over the Iowa State job. If Coach Bielema got on the phone right now and called you and said, hey, coach, what advice do you give me? What do I need to do at Illinois to take it to the next level and be successful? What, what would you tell him?
2: Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's just a lot of things. The, the, one of the most important things is is getting anybody. That, and you know, Brett doesn't need my help. I um, did a great job. Barry handed him the baton at Wisconsin. Did a phenomenal job. Made a mistake, obviously. Um, made a mistake and, and and left to go to Arkansas. And he would tell you the same thing. Went to Ar- uh, Arkansas. Didn't work out down there. Ended up with Bill Belichick. Ended up at uh, New York Giants. Those things all worked out really good. And but. One of the most important things is anybody that's going to touch your program. I'm talking about no matter what the janitors, uh, uh, people that work in the building, administrators, uh, people that work with the letter winners, club, whatever it is, if they're going to touch your program, make sure that it's. They're going to, they're gonna uh, take a light, use the light of positive energy, a positive message, carry it on to other people. If you're gonna be negative or a bitch or a moaner or a complainer, hit the bricks and don't let the door hit you on the way out of here. All those people that touch your program has to buy into the message and whatever the message is from Brett, he got to get everybody to buy into that. And then let's go. When we walk out of here, there'll be disagreements. Nothing wrong. with not gonna scab off once in a while, Adam. Disagreements, maybe an argument. So what? Sometimes that, that that helps bring out the best in everyone when we're talking about really what, what's in your gut, what's in your heart, what's in your mind. But when we walk out of here, out of this meeting room, we're united. We're all following the same plan. We're all following the same message. And that can be overstated because Coach Fry did such a great job of that with us when we all started. And I remember the first meeting, your loyalty is to me. Your paycheck is coming from me. Your paycheck is coming from the University of Iowa. And he was talking to all of us, but he was saying, listen, you follow my plan. You follow my lead. Now do it within your talents and your abilities and your personality, but you're going to follow the message that I lay out. And if not, get your ass out of here. I'll get somebody in here that wants to be here. And he always stood by that. And he was strong. And we always knew, follow the plan, follow the message, Buy in, get everybody else to buy in, make sure your players are a strength, make sure you're a really good recruiter, don't be sitting around twiddling your thumbs on signing day because you didn't take care of business, and then the thing that he always sold us more than as much as anything... Don't break rules to get there. It's not worth it. There's not a recruit in the world worth putting us all uh, on probation and jeopardizing this great integrity and this great reputation we have at the University of Iowa uh, as a first-class school. And we always live that way and try to follow that plan. Yeah.
1: Oh, that, that's great. That's really great insight, Coach. You've had such a long storied coaching career and I've gotten to do so many cool things um, and had a lot of success. So um, just wanted to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us on Nebraska Hawks Nest. We really I had an awesome time talking to you. So thank you for for sitting down and speaking with us today.
2: Honor, Adam. Take care and stay warm up there, man. We don't miss the winners. We do miss the people, but we sure don't miss the winners of the Midwest. So take care of yourself. It's great to be with you.
1: All right. You too, coach. Hey, we always got to end it with the go Hawks. I hope that's okay.
2: We're good. Go Hawks. Love them, man. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day.